Hello, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and a radio enthusiast. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. And each day, I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so... Don't leave too soon, I'm gonna teach you stuff, no it won't be tough, gonna go a year till you've had enough, it's 365. Today in 1994, Larry King ended his radio show, which had been running for 16 years and changed the way the media does interviews. But let's reverse and talk about how the show started and its epic run with the King at the helm. Larry King was born Lawrence Harvey Zeiger in Brooklyn, New York. He was raised by a single mother as his father died when he was young. He left New York for Florida in his 20s to pursue a career in radio where the scene was taking off. He started out as a disc jockey and started interviewing random people on the street to become a skilled interviewer. King had to take a break from radio in 1971 when he was accused of stealing money from a friend and charged with grand larceny. The scandal became public and kept King from getting radio jobs for several years because of his sketchy reputation. He spent a few years working on public relations and sports newscasting. Even though he got into those fields as a backup way to make money when he was disgraced, they both helped him keep up his skills in the meantime and have a better understanding of the media landscape when he was eventually able to return to radio. The Larry King Show began as a humble local news show in Miami. It was steadily gaining popularity, though, and when radio host Long John Nebel died, King inherited his nightly, nationwide time slot on the Mutual Broadcasting System. The nationwide debut was broadcast on January 30th, 1978. His first guest was the coach of the Miami Dolphins, Don Shula. Soon, after the show went national, King's casual conversational style and humorous anecdotes gained him a large audience. King would usually interview a guest, then answer listener phone calls with the guest. After that, he'd take phone calls on any topic and offer entertaining commentary. Each show ended up being three hours long. The show would end up getting so many calls that sometimes the area code 703 got too jammed and phone lines actually went down. The late part of the show, where he took phone calls on any topic, aired at 3 a.m. and was called Open Phone America. King had some interesting habits for interviewing his guests. For instance, when he interviewed authors, he wouldn't read their books before the interview. He said that this was because he wanted to come in with as little knowledge as the audience, but it definitely led to some interesting talks. His casual tone with his guests was new to the interview format and paved the way for the conversational talk show hosts of today, and maybe even podcast hosts as well. Many political candidates came on the show over the years, which helped the American public get to know the people who would be representing them in government. Ross Perot even announced his presidential candidacy on the show. When Al Gore was vice president, he went on the show to debate NAFTA. Larry King once said that his two most difficult interviews were with Damon Wilson, actor and author, and Robert Mitchum, actor and director. Wilson was in a bad mood and clearly didn't want to be there, but Mitchum did something almost worse for an interviewer. He gave only one-word answers. Once Rod McEwen A musician offered to send any listener who sent him the book flaps from his book a free copy of his latest album. The plan backfired. He got 289,000 of the flaps in the mail and had to send out all those free copies. King later admitted that sometimes he swapped the facts on his stories to make them more entertaining and apologized for occasionally misleading his audience. 
King also had some admittedly fictional bits that made the show feel like an in-joke for its listeners. One was about an alien, Gork and the planet Fringus, and another was King doing a Donald Duck imitation with a thick Brooklyn accent. Gork the alien was voiced by King's friend, Herb Cohen. In 1985, Larry King was offered the opportunity to take his show on TV, which became the talk show Larry King Live on CBS. It became the first phone-in show to transition from radio to television, and people watched it all over the world. Larry King became such a famous personality that he starred as himself in several TV shows and movies. Though the radio show ended today, in 1994, Larry King Live on CBS stayed on air until December 2010. It had been on TV for 25 years, but Larry King didn't step out of the spotlight just yet. He had his own talk show on Hulu, Larry King Now, and then another talk show, Politicking with Larry King. Sadly, he died earlier this year, on January 23rd, 2021. Today, the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. has all the archival footage of the show. Now let's talk about music history. Today, in 2017, Despacito hit number one on the top 100. The song by Louis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee featured Justin Bieber and was the first number one song on the Billboard charts, sung primarily in Spanish since the Macarena in 1996. Music critics say that the song is responsible for bringing Spanish-language pop music back into the mainstream. And now for our final segment of today's show, I'm going to be going back into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a May 27th in my life. May 27th, 2019, I have a bunch of screenshots of cats on Petfinder which is something that I still do to this day, two years later in 2021. I love Petfinder. I like looking at all the cats and I especially like to know the names of the cats that I'm looking at. And there were a couple that I thought were so funny that I took screenshots of them. The first one being Dance Machine, who was one month old and she was a domestic short hair available for foster. There was another one, another cat who was one month old named Alley-oop. And lastly, my favorite one, a two month old little boy cat who was a domestic short hair named Peanut Head. I don't think I would have changed any of those cats' names. They're pretty great. Thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.